friend. Welcome to Plays Well with Others, a podcast for creative community to discuss everything from the sensitive to the silly, but most importantly, to explore play. Come play with us. I'm your podcast host and wiggly dancer, lover of ducks and hats, Alex B. Arnapol. Let's dive in, shall we? to another week of Plays Well with Others and a continuation of our cyclical journey towards growth. It's funny because I say that like this is the only time we're going to go on the journey, the journey with a capital T. But really, when I think about it, the very nature of that statement, a cyclical journey of growth, cyclical means that it repeats in on itself. So Again, by the very nature of what we're doing, this is going to feed into your next journey, into your next one, till the delineation between where one began and the other one ended blurs a little bit. You can't really tell which is which. I honestly am so obsessed with cycles, and I used to think it was because I was afraid of commitment or afraid of follow-through that I was always in process, that there was never an end point. And every time I reached an eventual end point, I would think to myself, oh, well, I don't want to finish this because this is actually the beginning of something else. And yeah, maybe there's a little bit of avoidance in there. But honestly, I don't know about you, but any time I come close to finishing a project, I'm just starting to realize what the project was in the first place. I was just working with a client of mine the other day, and we were talking about an offering that she'd put out into the world. And this offering was actually supposed to be the lead magnet, so to speak. It was the runway towards something she was going to sell. And this thing that she put out there has actually really taken off. And what we're realizing as we're working together is that the advertising or the runway actually is the thing that she wanted to do to begin with. And I bring this up for a variety of reasons. One is because I think it is such a perfect example of how cycles fuel into one another, how they fold in and loop in. And when we think something is beginning or ending, the very nature of it is actually blossoming something new. Just like any growth cycle, that is one thing is composting, it's actually becoming the fuel for what we are going to grow from. It's the fertilizer. I also bring this up because in today's episode, we're going to be talking a lot about commitment, committing to things, sticking with things, planting something, intending to it. And I often get a lot of pushback from my clients, whether it's through rec center or one-on-one clients. I tend to find that whenever I bring up the concept of, okay, we've been doing a lot of setting the groundwork, we have looked at and assessed where we are, we've gathered our resources, we've looked at how to compost previous experiences, we've created room to grow from. All right, now we're going to plant your seed. We're going to actually commit to something, whether that's offering a class or putting out an art piece and finishing it, whatever it is, I tend to find that this is exactly when people 
freak out a little bit. <laughs> Usually this is when they start to panic. They're not sure if they want to go through with the program anymore. This is a time that sparks some deep doubt. And here's why I think that is. When you are asked to commit to something, we go back to our earliest forms of commitment, which is usually our relationship to our mother, our father, our caregiver, which stand in our life as constants, right? This is why we tend to see a lot of individuals in committed monogamous relationships, or honestly, outside of monogamy, if I'm being real, we tend to project ideas of our parents onto our partner, our spouse, our our best friends, our platonic partners, you name it. We see them as consistent and forever because we've committed. So we project this idea of our parents onto them. It's pretty simple. It's something that comes up a lot in Psych 101. But we do something similar when we commit to a creative process. And the funny thing is, is that most of our endeavors, our creative processes aren't forever, right? We do one project. We try one job. Let's also be honest about the idea that in this day and age, hardly anyone does that straight and narrow path of you join the firm as an intern, you work your way up, you become the CEO, and notice that I paused and I didn't know if it was CEO or CFO because that structure is so foreign to me that I was like, I don't know, do we call them CEOs these days? I'm not even sure. Point being, you work up the ladder till you're at the tippy-tippy top, you retire, you get a lovely pension, and you're done. Who even does that these days? I don't. I've worked so many jobs. I have done everything from installation design to jewelry design, floral design. I've worked in education. I have taught. I've done financial aid. I've been a stripper. I mean, I've run the gamut in terms of careers. But even with that knowledge, oftentimes when I commit to a new project, a new job, I have it in my head that this is going to be my forever thing. And the same thing happens when we are asked to commit to anything. Because in our heads, commitment is forever. But what if instead we started looking at these commitments as just part of a cycle? And yes, you're committing to this one thing now. But as we've seen in the past in our lives, in our various creative projects, they funnel into each other. So when someone asks you, you have to commit, you have to stick to this, say yes, because you know it's going to inevitably change. Obviously, I'm not suggesting to commit to anything that you don't want to do that isn't nourishing or isn't aligned. Obviously, that takes precedence. But rather, what I'm suggesting is to just be aware of the natural tendency of our work, our creative projects, our jobs to transform and evolve. Just as my client committed to releasing this advertising marketing campaign and then it actually became the thing she wanted to do, the same thing could happen for you. These little parts, these buds, these branches that bloom off of our creative projects can sometimes become the tree itself. When a tree first starts growing, we often see it coming out of the ground as a little shoot. Maybe it's just a couple of leaves. We're not immediately positive 
what is going to become the main trunk or the main root. It's kind of all just stems at that point. So the same thing goes for our creative projects as well. They're all kind of just stems at the beginning. And naturally, the thing, the project, the idea that is meant to take the deepest roots and become that trunk, it will. Because that's where you're going to funnel your energy. That's where you're going to get excited and pour in all of your passion and love and excitement. It's natural. We just have to trust that and trust ourselves. And of course, also trust in cycles. Wow, I can't believe I just went on about cycles and... Honestly, this is not what this episode was going to be. I'm actually really stoked that it went this direction already because it's really important to me. I feel like the clients that I work with, the community that I work with, is so indicative and such a mirror for all of us and what we go through, those moments when we're faced with commitments and we say, oh, no, never mind, I don't want to do it. I don't want to commit myself to it because I'm afraid to commit to something forever. I mean, we're all a little commitment phobic here, right? And so as we go into thinking about planting the seed in the garden that we are creating, we have to commit to it a little bit, right? We, I mean, you could, you could technically just seed bomb something and see what happens, but that's really passive, which can be one way to live. It's just not what we're talking about right now. That when we go to tend to a plant, let's say we're planting a tomato plant, that we put the seed in the ground, we have the fertilizer, we water it, we tend to it, and we make sure slugs aren't eating it. This is an active process. This is a commitment. So in the same way, as we look at planting our seeds, the subject of commitment is going to be inevitable. So where does that leave us right now? We have come from the past two episodes, and if you haven't listened to the past two episodes, I would encourage you to go back and join us. You are welcome to experience this episode on its own, that is no problem. It just maybe is a little more nourishing and consistent, a sense of consistency between episodes if you start from the beginning. And from the beginning, we have looked at surveying where we've been, what our history is, how that contributes, and acts as fertilizer for our lives. That's the first episode in this six-part series. The second, which was last week's episode, is all about creative compost, of growing from the dead things that we've been carrying around all our lives. I say this in last week's episode, but I just want to reiterate it. Talking about creative compost is one of my favorite topics because we do not tackle it very often. We often brush over things. And again, that's a very linear mindset to look at with creativity and work and really the world of ignoring the death process, the transformation, the cyclical quality of everything that we're immersed in. And now that we have, so to speak, created our garden beds from which to grow creatively, we will start to look at what it looks like to plant a seed. So what do I mean by planting a seed? In my definition, when we look at starting the creative process, it's taking the action that's kind of the domino effect. It gets things moving. It starts a chain of events which moves us forward. It's a forward-moving trajectory. 
Now, something that's moving forward doesn't necessarily mean that it's moving in a linear fashion. It can be spiralic, it can loop-de-loop, it can go back in itself, but at least there is this push forward, this momentum. And I would argue that we are planting seeds every day, that every action we take is a seed, so to speak, but we just aren't often aware of it or very intentional about what we do. And really, what this whole episode is about is the idea of being intentional and mindful. When I say mindful, I don't just mean meditating or sitting in silence. I mean bringing your mind full of awareness, kind of saturating it and saying, how can I be as present as possible for this moment? And when we are the most full of awareness, when our mind is full, we are able to perceive multiple directions, multiple things that are happening, and hopefully the direction that your creative project is going. And what might planting a creative seed look like for you? I would encourage you to sit down and write a list of 20 things, 20 ideas, 20 projects, 20 ways that you want to take your life And that can be anything from a single creative project to a new job, a new venture. It can even just be a commitment to not changing, but being aware, and again, intentional, of what it is and naming it. Once you have your list of 20, narrow it down to 10. And then maybe spend a little time with each of those 10 items in brainstorming or imagining what they might look like. And I'm sure you can guess where we're going. Again, cutting it in half, going down to five items. Now really take some time to daydream each of these items. I think there is so much power in daydreaming. Really, I think that imagination is one of the greatest tools we have. We are always imagining whether it takes the form of anxiety and imagining what the future is going to be or depression in which we are imagining and kind of going back through the past and our actions and repurposing it through our imagination, it could also be a really positive tool. That future projection can be a daydreaming projection. So take some time and daydream about maybe what those five items might look like. And then finally, decide on one. For now, just one. This is where I start to see hackles kind of go up, where people don't love to be told to pick one thing. My dearest friend, I am not telling you to pick one thing for the rest of your life. I am telling you to pick one thing now. If you want more information on that, I would encourage you to go back in time and listen to our episode on lily pads, being here now. It is actually our second episode. I believe it is titled, What Do I Want to Be When I Grow Up? It really goes into depth with that idea of choosing the present moment. And here is where I believe that intentionality and mindfulness really comes into play. So we've chosen one thing for now that we are going to focus on. How do we actually put this into movement and motion? I truly believe in the power of ritual. One of my dear friends, artists, photographers, educators, Joy Newell, if you don't know their glorious embodied portrait work, 
check it out. I'm not getting paid to say this. I just, you know, when you have a friend and you just love what they do and you want to shout it from the rooftops, they are that kind of a person. But they teach a class entitled Everything is a Ritual, in which they talk about ritual as a healing balm to come back to self, to be present with this moment, and to also be able to handle uncertainty. I truly believe that ritual is what can help us create a sustainable creative practice. Because what ritual is, is it takes habits to the next level. What habits are, is any activity in which we take an action and it becomes a little more automatic. We start to digest it and do it more automatically throughout the day. It is taking action and making it natural. Now, the difference between habit and ritual is that ritual is taking habit and adding a level of depth. And the level of depth is meaning and connection to the world. One of my favorite examples is looking at two individuals that are both laying bricks to build a building. An individual comes up to them and asks, hey, what are you doing? The first guy says, oh, can't you see? I'm laying bricks. He asks the second person and they say, oh, I am creating the foundation of this glorious cathedral in which we can worship God. Your religious affiliation aside, what I love about that example is that the first person only sees the action. The second person sees the action and how it connects with something so much bigger, not just the building that they're creating, but how that building functions in the world and how it actually connects towards sustaining humanity. It's adding purpose and meaning to what we do. And it has been proven that when we are trying to create habit and take habit to the next level so it becomes a lifelong practice, that one of the best ways to do it is deepening it through connection to a larger concept or idea. So regardless if you're a spiritual individual or not, Ritual does not have to be religious. I think so many of us were brought up in an environment where we bristle at religion or ritual because it became really toxic and harmful for us, especially if you are marginalized, especially if you are LGBTQA plus and your body was seen as wrong. What you did, who you were at a core level was seen as bad or sinful or wrong. We bristle at that. But what better way to fight that system than repurposing something that at its core is just finding meaning in this perceived chaos? So once you have picked a seed or an idea that you want to plant, I would encourage you to begin the planting process first and foremost by thinking about a bigger why. Why do you do what you do? Why this seed? Why does it matter to you? And what might even take the idea deeper is to ask yourself why five times. So that might look like starting with, okay, why did you want to start Rec Center, Alex? Oh, I wanted to start Rec Center because I wanted there to be a place for everyone to play and be themselves. Then you ask, why? Well, because there weren't a lot of spaces like that for me growing up and especially in adulthood. Why? Because most creative spaces cater to a really specific type of person, and I just wasn't that person. Why? 
Well, most creative spaces cater towards cisgendered, wealthy individuals who think in a linear way, despite the fact that the environment is meant to be creative. See where I'm going with this? You get really deep in there. And that for me, I start to realize, oh, what I was creating has so much more to do with liberation than I originally thought it did. So when I do my work, I know it's connected towards liberation. This adds depth to what you do and it gives you a sense of continuity once this particular project or idea ends. The key is to find value and meaning. So just to recap, when we are looking at planting our seeds, we're beginning with three elements, which is recognizing the cyclical quality of a commitment, picking something that sparks our dreamiest of dreams, and finally, finding the deeper meaning and value so that when you implement ritual and routine, you can see why you're doing it. It gives you a greater sense of purpose, and it gives you a greater sense of connection as you move through these cycles of creativity as you finish one project to begin another. And finally, we look at how to actually create sustainable action through ritual. And one of the best ways to do that is through integration. I believe that when we constantly just pile new things on top of what we're already doing, it creates burnout and we never see something through to the end. Instead, what I would suggest is that we look at things through the lens of integration. Take a hard look or a soft look, take a soft look at your whole day and look at the activities they are already doing. Pick three, just three. And consider your larger why that you were looking at earlier. So maybe it's play. What would it look like to integrate a sense of play into those activities? That is one way to just begin deepening your relationship to the concept. And then as you start to get used to shifting your perspective and working in a different way, you can start to look at adding elements to your day as well. What is one small action you can take today that works towards tending your seed or creating your creative project out in the world and deepening each action with a sense of meaning and purpose? Consider what types of rituals feel good and nourishing to you. Are they written prayers? Could it be a little dance or... Even just putting on the same essential oil every time before you kickstart your creative process. This works twofold. One, because it adds meaning and depth. And two, it's kind of a brain hack, honestly, because you start to prepare your brain for what's about to come. And then every time you use the essential oil or do the little dance, your body says, oh, we're about to get creative again. Great. Let me get that right side of my hemisphere online. So through these ideas of commitment, daydreaming, ritual and meaning, and integration, we begin to form the foundation of creative action. This is the equivalent of watering a plant outside every day. Because your creativity is a living, breathing thing. We can't just push it aside and assume that it's going to grow on its own We have to think about how do we make this part of our lives? How do we make the tending process 
part of our everyday actions. So I challenge you, dear one, plant that seed this week. Commit to one idea, one concept, one project, one way of being, and begin to integrate those ideas into your life. Begin moving towards that sustainable action. And just as a little aside, because I love to have a landing pad for you to go, if this is something that's exciting to you and you're looking for resources and community to make creativity feel easy, to feel like coming home, to feel like community, we have an amazing membership as well as many one-off classes at Rec Center that can totally support these actions. Our membership is for soft, squishy creatives like me, probably like you, let's be honest, to come together, hold hands, and participate in creative living. Because we think that living is a creative act, and in the words of my colleague Lucia, the creative living puts us at the forefront of kinder ways of existing in the world. And that includes being kind to yourself. So if you're interested, we would love to offer you a discount. Use discount free play buddy. That's free play buddy. No spaces, no caps. F-R-E-E-P-L-A-Y-B-U-D-D-Y for 25% off your next membership or your next class. We would love to welcome you. We truly believe that creativity is a way of living and that human beings, we weren't meant to do this living thing alone. We are pack animals. Dead are the days of the sullen, sulky artist alone in their studio. That's a myth. We are meant to do this hand in hand. We're meant to do this together. So thank you everyone for joining us, for your support. We are ever grateful to be a part of this community with you. See you next week for more on tending to your seed, your creative project, adding structures and support, and how to incorporate sustainable action. See you then. This has been Plays Well with Others. Until next time, be present, feel good, and play every day. Plays Well with Others is a part of Rec Center, the radically inclusive space for creative play. Plays Well with Others is also brought to you with the support of Softer Sounds Studio. We would like to acknowledge that this podcast has been recorded and brought to you from the unceded lands of the Tonga Nations, both past and present, also known as present-day Los Angeles. Here at Plays Well with Others and Rec Center, we believe that nothing happens in a vacuum. We'd like to acknowledge some of our inspirations, which include Bell Hooks, Adrian Mari Brown, Robin Wall Kimmerer, Lindsay Mack of Tarot for the Wild Soul, Jenny O'Dell, and many, many others. This podcast, of course, would not be possible without the support of our community, which includes our internal staff, like Lucia Calderon Arieta and Alicia Wilson. And of course, all of you. Thank you, beloved community, for being a part of Rec Center and Plays Well with Others.